morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. On this, the 8th of August, the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time, my name is John Keeley. My name is Shane Ambrose, and we're delighted you have joined us for another edition of Come and See Inspirations, a podcast that includes faith stories, interviews, chat on faith topics with invited guests, discussions and reflection on the Sunday Gospel, and of course, some inspirational music. The good news is these and other Recordings are available to be downloaded and listened to on comeandseeinspirations.buzzsprout.com, also on Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, and of course on our Come and See Facebook page. Listeners can text us at 087 or email us comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. So to start off today, as usual, Shane will remind us what saints we will be remembering this week. Thanks, Shane. So on the liturgical calendar this week, folks, we are celebrating the 19th week in Ordinary Time. So today we, uh, so our broadcast goes out at the weekend, so it's the Sunday, it's the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week three. So this year, actually, unless you're a Dominican, you're not, we're not celebrating the Feast of St. Dominic, whose feast day falls on August the 8th. And of course, for us ourselves here on the podcast, it means this year we're only saying hello and goodbye to our great friend Mary McKillop, the Australian saint who we have a particular connection with on this podcast team. Monday, the 9th of August, is the feast day of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, otherwise known as Edith Stein. She's an interesting one. She is a patron of Europe. She's regarded as a martyr for the faith. But of course, she was um, she was born in 1891 at Breslau, which is now um, near uh, Warklaw, I think it's how it's pronounced, in Poland. She was the youngest of seven children of a Jewish family. So she's of Jewish, uh, Jewish background. And um, she was a brilliant student, studied philosophy and got her doctorate at the age of 25 and became a Catholic in 1922, and then she became an enclosed Carmelite nun. So being both Jewish and Catholic, she fled to Holland when the Nazis came to power, but she was captured and sent to Auschwitz, where she died in its gas chambers on the 9th of August 1942. And it's said that when she was arrested at the convent, her sister, who also happened to be a Carmelite nun, she said to her sister, come, let us go, we are doing this for our people. So that's Edith Stein. She's also one of the patrons of Europe, uh, declared as such by John Paul II in the year 2000. Um, on the Irish calendar, we're also celebrating, just to note in passing, St. Nassi, who's a feast, or St. Brother associated with Conroy, and St. Philem, who is associated with the Diocese of Kilmore. Tuesday, the 10th of August, is the feast of St. Lawrence. Lawrence is a deacon and martyr. It's one of those ancient feasts of the church. His name is mentioned in the Eucharistic prayer number one, the canon, the Roman canon as it's called. Devotion to Lawrence goes back right to the earliest times in the church. He died in 258 AD under one of the persecutions. And he is famous, of course, because he also has a basilica in Rome called San Lorenzo Furi la Mora, which is the papal basilica of St. Lawrence outside the walls. And it was, or it used to be, or it is one of the, what is called the Papal Minor Basilicas. And if you are ever in Rome for a Jubilee year, and you are doing the seven, visiting the seven, seven basilicas, this is one of the ones that you have to visit. It's called Outside the Walls because it is what is in what was um, a cemetery. And of course, uh, cemeteries were not allowed inside the walls of the ancient city of Rome. It is obviously the shrine of the tomb of the saint, uh, Lawrence. 
And he was one of the first of the seven deacons of Rome, and he was martyred in 258. Now, the interesting thing about Lawrence is, by tradition, um, when he was being executed, he's associated with being burnt on a gridiron. And his, the legend says that he's supposed to have uh, kind of said to his executors, turn me over, I'm done on this side. So he's a patron saint, oddly enough, he's a patron saint of the poor um, because he looked after the material needs of the faithful. And he's also a patron saint of cooks and chefs. So just an interesting one there, John. So then on Wednesday, the 11th of August, we have another heavy hitter in the saints. It's St. Clair of Assisi, founder of the Poor Clares, born in 1193 and died in 1253. Which St. Francis, she, she is the founder of and writer of the rule of the poor players, and very much, of course, associated with living a very austere life, work, focusing on works of piety and charity. The interesting thing, of course, about St. Clair is if you ever visit Assisi, you can still see um, the relics that are there. She, she fled from her family to St. Francis to be able to, um, I suppose, embrace poverty. Bit like Francis did when he had to kind of have the, the bit of the argument with his father about wanting to 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 to, to, to do the same. Uh, she is the patroness, saint, the patron saint of television, oddly enough, because it is said that when she was ill, she is supposed to have had a vision of the mass being celebrated in the chapel of the convent. And it was, you know, so as you would see on television. So it's an interesting one. Um, then on Thursday the 12th, now, okay, so sit down and bear, bear with me for this one. Okay. So in the Diocese of Conroy is the feast day of St. Attracta. In the Diocese of Kilala is the feast day of St. Muradek. In the Diocese of Cloyne and Kilala, it is also the feast of the dedication of their respective cathedrals. In the Diocese of Limerick, it is the feast day of St. Lilia. And in the universal calendar, it is the feast day of St. Jane Francis de Chantel, who died in 1641. <clears throat> Her friendship with St. Francis de Sales led to the foundation of the Congregation of the Visitation, so that's St. Jane Francis. In terms of the Irish saints, um, St. Muradek is regarded as the founder of the Church of Kalala and may be associated with the monastery of Inish Murray off the Sligo coast. St. Attracta lived in the 6th or 7th century. Local tradition remembers her great healing powers and her convent was famous for hospitality and charity to the poor. St. Lilia, of course, is one of the saints associated with the Diocese of Limerick. She had a church at Kilili, which is near Tomanbridge inside Limerick, and she's said to have been baptised by St. Patrick himself. Then Friday the 13th, look for some, unlucky for others, is the feast day of St. Poncian. A, a bishop of Rome, so a former pope, died in 230, but was exiled to Sardinia, where he, where he abdicated during persecution in 235. It's also the feast day of St. Hypoliotus, was a Roman priest, and both of them uh, suffered martyrdom and died from ill treatment under persecution at the time. It's also the feast day on the Irish calendar of St. Fatna, founder of the monastery of Ross Carberry, and he died around 600 AD, and his monastery became the principal monastery of West Cork, and in, in time had a famous scripture school associated with it. Saturday the 14th, of course, is the feast day of St. Maximilian Kolbe. St. Maximilian Kolbe died in 1941 and died in Auschwitz. He was a conventional Franciscan who set up the Order of the Immaculate Conception, the Franciscans of the Immaculate Conception, and he was very much associated with working with the apostolate of the press and communication, particularly in both Poland and in Japan for a period of time. 
Of course, he is down as a martyr on the church's calendar, because priest and martyr, because he, uh, in Auschwitz there was an escape and a number of prisoners were taken randomly to be punished by the, the Nazi commanders of the camp. And um, Maximilian Kolbe took the place of one of the men and uh, went into the death chamber with the others. He was one of the last to die, having uh, consoled and comforted the men and, and led them in prayer and hymns throughout the period where they were starved to death. And in the end, uh, he was uh, executed by an injection of carbolic acid into the vein. And he said to have put out his arm and said, I willingly put out his arm and said, um, you know, to, to, his, to his executioner. So it's, it's, uh, it's one of those interesting ones, one of those interesting stories that comes to us of the priest witnesses, the priest martyrs of Auschwitz. Um, and of course, next Sunday, the 15th of August, is of course the solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Shane, that must be one of the busiest times of the year for saints, is it? It's up there, it's yeah. Up there, it's yeah, it's, it's up there. I think it's 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 one of those. Yeah, it can be messy. <laughs> well, certainly Thursday could be. It depends on where you are. You know, yes, Thursday very much depends on where you are and what and where which diocese that you're sitting in. And in some places, they'll just ignore it all, and it'll be just an ordinary day. <laughs> Shane, thank you very much, Nate, for that. Now, Shane, I don't have any notices. Do you have any notices? Or no, I don't have any major notices this week, except to say to people that Knock announced or reminded, reminded pilgrims during the week that they are now celebrating five Masses a day at the Shrine. And as we said on the podcast last week, just to remind people that the Shrine is open. Um, now, obviously, the restrictions are there uh, in terms of masks and attendances and so on and so forth. But that it is open, and um, you know, its mass times are available. Um, so just to say to people, they the basilica is restricted to two hundred people on a first come, first served basis, and um, during the week it's ten, twelve, three, five, and seven thirty, and Sundays it's ten, twelve, three, five, and seven thirty. So it's it's the same each day. So it's ten, twelve, three, five, and seven thirty. Um, the Apparition Chapel and the Parish Church are both open to prayer and confessions are available in the Chapel of Reconciliation from 11 to 3, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at night. Aside from that, of course, it is the summer, so there isn't a whole lot else happening. There's a lot we could talk about in terms of news coming out of Rome, but we're not going to bore people with that this morning, John. Shane, thanks a lot for that. So now it's time to go for our first bit of music this morning. We'll take one that's entitled... Come now is a time to worship. So join us again after the piece of music. And we've got something coming up which might be of interest to a lot of people in part two.
So that was a nice piece of music we just listened to there. And now we'll come to uh, a part of the program where we'd like to bring you some, some something around a faith topic. Um, picked up something there recently from, actually it's Mary TV, Medjugorje. Pretty, probably topical because, as people might know, uh, celebrating 40 years of the operations of Medjugorje. But so, so people want to know a bit, a bit about Medjugorje. Well, before June the 24th, 1981, Medjugorje which in Croatian means between the mountains, is just a tiny farming village, last in a harsh and desolate corner in former Yugoslavia. From that date, everything changed. And the village has become one of the most important centres of popular religiosity, even, of Christianity. What happened on June the 24th, 1981? Well, for the first time, the first and long series still in progress, a lady appeared to a group of local kids to deliver to the world a message of peace and conversion through prayer and fasting. We can now listen to a presentation uh, entitled 40 Memorable Moments and look back at some of the most memorable moments for the past 40 years uh, of Medjugorje. This was produced by Mary TV and uh, thanks to Dennis and Cathy uh, at Mary TV for allowing us um, to bring this to our listeners' attention today. People want to know a bit more about Mary TV? Really, just Google Mary TV. It produces broadcasts daily from Medjugorje, including mass, rosary, various talks and interviews. So let's listen to this 40 memorable moments. June 24th, 2021. We have now reached a major milestone in the world. 40 years of Our Lady's apparitions in Medjugorje, 40 years of messages, 40 years of formation, 40 years of miracles, conversions, and prayer. No doubt, God through Our Lady of Medjugorje has touched millions around the world. Today we take a look at just some of the most memorable moments from the last 40 years. Memorable moment number 40. Our Lady appears as Queen of Peace. On June 24, 1981, the Virgin Mary appeared for the first time on Podbrdo Hill in Medjugorje, holding the baby Jesus in her arms. This moment changed not only the lives of the young visionaries who saw her, but also the entire world. In these apparitions, Our Lady presented herself under the title Queen of Peace. This is the first time Our Lady introduced herself as the Queen of Peace in any Marian apparition. The term Queen of Peace appears in the Litany to the Blessed Virgin Mary as the final title given to her. It was the title added by Pope Benedict XV in 1917, just a few days before she appeared in Fatima. Memorable Moment number 39 Mirror in the Sky from the earliest days, Our Lady gave signs to let people know she was really appearing. One of those signs was witnessed by everyone in the village. The word mir, which means peace in Croatian, formed in the clouds for all to see. Peace has been a main focus of the apparitions, as we can see in the next memorable moment. Memorable moment number 38. Maria gets the first message. On the third day of the apparitions, 
Maria was climbing down from the hill when Our Lady appeared to her for a second time. This time Our Lady gave her a message. Peace, peace, peace. Peace must reign between man and God and between all people. She gave the first message for the world. She said, Peace. Peace comes from God in our hearts. I am calling you to pray for peace in your families. Peace in the world. These are the first spoken words of Our Lady for the world with this message of peace. It is interesting to note that 10 years later to the date, in former Yugoslavia, the war broke out on June 26, 1991. Memorable moment number 37, Our Lady lets people touch her. On the feast of Our Lady of the Angels, Maria received the following message from Our Lady in her home. A great struggle is about to unfold, a struggle between my son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. Our Lady then told Maria to meet in the threshing field at 2 a.m. A group of about 40 people gathered with her, including visionary Miriana. Those in the group requested of Maria and Miriana, the only visionaries present, if they could touch Our Lady. When Our Lady agreed and they began touching her, Our Lady's dress became blackened. Maria, distressed by this, began to weep. Marinko Ivankovich, who was present from the earliest days of the apparitions, immediately told everyone they must go to confession. This has been the motherly, tactile, experiential way that Mary has taught us in Medjugorje all these years. Memorable moment number 36. Our Lady takes Yaakov and Vitska to heaven. In November of 1981, Yaakov and Vitska were alone when Our Lady appeared to them unexpectedly around 3.20 in the afternoon. Our Lady greeted them both with her usual greeting, Praised be Jesus, and told them that she was going to take them to heaven. Ten-year-old Yaakov, fearing he would never come back, protested and said, No, take Vitska, she has seven brothers and sisters, my mom has just me. Taking Vizka and Yaakov by the hand, the three began to ascend upwards through the roof of the house. They were physically gone during their time with Our Lady. Vizka described heaven as a huge space with a radiant light that does not exist on earth, with people who were filled with an overwhelming joy. They were wearing grayish pink and yellow colored robes and walked around singing and praying with little angels flying over their heads. Our Lady said, Look how happy these people in paradise are. It is a kind of happiness that is beyond description. Our Lady brought them to purgatory next, and they described purgatory as a vast space with different levels covered with a misty fog. They couldn't see anyone, but they could hear people suffering. They were in great pain and torment because of their separation from God. Vitska said, If we just do some voluntary penance to make restitution for the souls in purgatory, especially for the ones who are abandoned by their families on earth, 
we can be a little bit like Jesus. Our Lady then took them to hell. Vitska described hell as an immense space with a big sea of fire in the middle with many people that looked normal, but on approaching the fire, they no longer looked human. The further away from God's will they were on earth, the deeper they went into the fire to burn away all connection to God, and upon exiting the fire, they became grotesque and unrecognizable, and were cursing and blaspheming. People that are in hell are there at their own choosing. On earth they repudiated God's existence, and at the moment of their death they still deny Him, for all eternity. The vision affected both visionaries and strengthened their desire to offer sacrifices. As we will see in the next memorable moment, Vitska has suffered for Our Lady's intentions for many years. Memorable moment number 35. Vitska is healed. For many years in the 1980s, visionary Vitska suffered from an inoperable brain tumor that caused her severe headaches and coma state periods. Our Lady had asked this suffering of Vitska for particular intentions, and Vitska willingly agreed to take these sufferings on. Doctors could offer no cure and no help in alleviating her pains. One day, Our Lady told Vitska the date she would be healed, and gave Vitska instruction to write down the date and seal it in three separate envelopes. She sent the envelopes to three priests, Father Jenko Bubalo, Father Vinko Orgitsevich, and Father Luka Susats. They were told not to open the letters until September 25, 1988. The note inside the envelope to Father Jenko, written by Vitska, stated the following. Father Jenko, that which I promised to you, a ceasing of pains, September 25th, 1988. Only under the seal of confession, my greeting to you, your little sister Vitska. When the priests opened the letters, Vitska was in fact healed and stopped having pain. The president of the new commission assigned to investigating Medjugorje, Bishop Franjo Komarica, was present when the priests opened the sealed letters. The letters had been sealed for six months in three different locations. Memorable moment number 34, Father Yozo imprisoned. This next memorable moment is particularly memorable because it involves the number 40. On August 17, 1981, Father Yozo, who was the parish priest when the Medjugorje apparitions began, was preaching in the church about the 40 years that Moses and the Israelites spent in the desert. The communists accused Father Yozo of making hostile comments about the Yugoslav political system when he used the words 40-year-long slavery in which the people were exposed to false teachings. The state prosecutor said that the false teachings allegation was interpreted as an attack on the League of Communists of Yugoslavia, Marxism, and self-management socialism. On October 19, 1981, the visionaries were asked by Our Lady to fast on bread and water for a week while praying for Father Yozo. At that time, she gave them a vision of Father Yozo in his prison cell, and he tells them not to be afraid for him that everything was well. 
Then on October 21st, Father Yozo was given a trial and was convicted of sedition, which is a crime that could involve the death penalty. According to Father René Laurentin, when the visionaries voiced concern for Father Yozo, Our Lady told them that his punishment would be announced the next day and would not be severe. The next morning his sentence was announced and was reduced to three and a half years in prison. In the end, the communists released Father Yozo after 18 months of hard labor on the condition he did not return to Medjugorje. He came out of prison gaunt, ashen, and nearly deaf in one ear. Despite all of this, he was still able to spread the message of Medjugorje with millions of pilgrims and is a living witness and example of a true apostle. Memorable moment number 33 local women remove communist barricades. During the early days when communism was still reigning, the communists did everything in their power to stop people from going to the church or the hill. In an attempt to stop people from attending mass, communist police barricaded the church doors so nobody could enter. The local women who showed up to find the police standing outside the locked church doors pushed past them and removed the barricades so everyone could go in. Although the communist police were not to be interfered with, there was an unwritten rule that even communist police should not touch women and children. For that reason, it was the heroism of the women that kept the mass going when the police wanted to shut it down. Memorable moment number 32. Bronze reliefs added to Krizhevats and Apparition Hill. The bronze reliefs of the Way of the Cross on Krizhevats and the first two mysteries of the Rosary on Apparition Mountain were donated in 1988 and 1989, respectively. They were sculpted by Italian artist and sculptor Carmelo Puzzolo. These beautiful reliefs have been a marker for prayer for millions of pilgrims through the years. There is an amazing story behind these reliefs that few know about. One day, Carmelo Puzzolo came to Father Slavko and offered to share his artistic services with the parish. He requested bronze that he would need to make the reliefs. Bronze was quite costly, so Father Slavko just asked him to leave his phone number. The next day, two men came to the rectory and said they wanted to make a donation to Medjugorje. Father Slavko asked what their profession was, and they said they owned a metal company in Italy. Father Slavko put the two in touch with each other, and the reliefs were made. Memorable moment number 31. Statue placed atop Apparition Hill. Another marker for pilgrims visiting Medjugorje is the large statue of the Queen of Peace on the top of Apparition Hill. In 2006, to honor the 25th anniversary of Our Lady's apparitions, a statue of the Queen of Peace was installed near the top of Apparition Hill to mark the spot where the Blessed Mother first appeared to the visionaries. Funds to commission the statue were donated by a Korean family whose child was healed in Medjugorje. The statue was created by the Italian sculptor Dino Felici, who also designed the marble Queen of Peace statue at the entrance to the parish grounds in 1987. It was a very memorable moment when this now famous statue was placed atop the hill of apparitions where millions now flock. Memorable moment number 30. Medical testing performed on the visionaries. 
Through the 40 years, there have been many different sets of physical, psychological, theological, and scientific tests performed on the Medjugorje visionaries. This is one of the most fascinating elements of the Medjugorje apparitions because the equipment we have today can tell us so much more about the state that the visionaries enter when they are with the Blessed Virgin Mary. One extremely important and comprehensive series of tests was conducted by a team of French doctors from March to December in 1984, using highly sophisticated equipment they brought to Medjugorje. Professor Henri Joyou was the head of the team, a professor of cancerology in the Faculty of Medicine at Montpellier and a surgeon at Montpellier's Cancer Institute. The conclusion he reached from the data collected from their scientific tests was impressive. And I quote, The phenomenon is scientifically inexplicable. The same team repeated their study in 2005 and reached the same conclusion. Memorable moment number 29. Miriana meets with Pope John Paul II. July of 1987. Archbishop Frayn Franich accompanied 1,000 students from his diocese to Castel Gandolfo near Rome to see the Holy Father. Visionary Miriana was among the youth. When the Pope was passing by, Archbishop Franich introduced John Paul II to Miriana and he blessed her a second time. The next day he invited her to meet with him at Castel Gandolfo. They met for 20 minutes in private. Miriana often recounts her experience of meeting with Pope JP II, who told her, quote, If I were not Pope, I would have been in Medjugorje a long time ago. I know everything. I have been following everything. Ask pilgrims to pray for my intentions and take good care of Medjugorje, because Medjugorje is the hope for the entire world. Memorable moment number 28. Vitska gets married. On January 26, 2002, visionary Vitska marries Mario Miatovich. Vitska was the last visionary to marry after 21 years of faithfully witnessing Our Lady's love to pilgrims from around the world. Many believed Vitska would choose religious life, but she surprised everyone when she announced that she and Mario would marry. God had called her to live a holy family life and to be an example in that way. She reiterated that she will always be of witness to Our Lady and the apparitions, but now she will do so as a wife and mother. Memorable moment number 27. The seventh secret lesson. On January 31, 1982, Our Lady revealed the seventh secret to Miriana while she was alone in her family's apartment in Sarajevo. Miriana said its content troubled her deeply, and she begged Our Lady for a way to lessen the secret. Our Lady told her, Pray. Miriana, taking Our Lady's word as a yes that it could be mitigated, acted immediately. She said, I rallied friends, family members, nuns, and priests to pray and fast for the intention of changing the seventh secret, and we did so with intensity and conviction. We often met in Sarajevo as a group to pray about it. Finally, on November 6, 1982, Our Lady revealed to Miriana that the secret had been softened due to the repeated prayers and fasting. 
Miriana explained, I have prayed. The punishment has been softened. Repeated prayers and fasting reduce punishments from God, but it is not possible to avoid entirely the chastisement. Go on the streets of the city and count those who glorify God and those who offend Him. God can no longer endure that. Memorable moment number 26. Commission is formed. On March 17, 2010, it was officially announced by the Vatican that a new commission administered by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith was being set up to investigate the phenomenon of Medjugorje and would be headed by the former president of the Italian Episcopal Conference, Cardinal Camillo Ruini. This took the responsibility for Medjugorje off the shoulders of the Bosnia-Herzegovina Bishops' Conference, which on March 21, 2008, Cardinal Vinko Pulic, Archbishop of Sarajevo, stated, The phenomenon of Medjugorje does not come within our competence. The Vatican's decision that came through the request of Pope Benedict XVI was unprecedented in that no other apparition in the history of the Church had ever been taken over by the Church for investigation. But no other apparition in Church history has ever had the impact that Medjugorje has around the world while it was still taking place, and at the same time been surrounded with so much controversy. Pope Benedict XVI, like Pope John Paul II, had followed the progression of Medjugorje from the beginning, when he was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. Because Medjugorje was so far-reaching, and did not just affect the geographical region of which it belonged, Pope Benedict XVI decided to take this unprecedented move to form an international commission to study the apparitions. The commission was active from 2010 to 2014, during which time all the visionaries were interviewed. It finally produced what is known as the Ruini Report, named after Cardinal Camillo Ruini, head of the commission. When investigating and voting on the authenticity and supernatural basis of the Medjugorje apparitions, the Ruini Commission decided to split the apparitions into two time periods, the first seven apparitions and the apparitions from then leading up to today. With a margin of 13 to 1, the Commission confirmed the supernatural basis of the first seven apparitions. We await Pope Francis's final declaration. Memorable moment number 25. Miriana is first to receive tenth secret. Miriana's daily apparitions ended on Christmas Day 1982. It was on that day that Our Lady revealed to Miriana the tenth secret and told her that she would no longer have her daily apparitions. Our Lady told Miriana that she would now appear to her once a year, every March 18th, as long as she lived. March 18th will be a significant date in the future that we will understand when the secrets have been revealed. Our Lady's last daily apparition to Midiana lasted 45 minutes. Midiana states that she will always remember these words of Our Lady. Now you will have to turn to God in faith like any other person. I will appear to you on the day of your birthday and when you will experience difficulties in your life. Midiana, I have chosen you. I have confided in you everything that is essential. I have also shown you many terrible things. You must now bear it all with courage. 
Think of me and think of the tears I must shed for that. You must remain courageous. You have quickly grasped the messages. You must also understand now that I have to go away. Be courageous. This last daily apparition was the most difficult moment of Midiana's life and was a surprise to everyone following Medjugorje. We know Miriana will be the one to reveal the secrets when the time comes, which brings us to our next memorable moment. Memorable moment number 24, Miriana receives the parchment. Our Lady has given Miriana the responsibility of revealing the secrets to the world when it is time. Our Lady gave Miriana a parchment with all the secrets written on them. It is made of a material not found on this earth. In an interview she was asked about the parchment and she responded, On this parchment I have ten secrets, with the dates and the places where they are going to take place. That parchment I should give to the priest of my choice. Ten days before the secret I will give this paper to him. He will only be able to see the secret that is going to happen. He will only be able to see the first secret. He will pray and fast on bread and water. On the third day before the secret is divulged, he will make it public. That this and that will happen at this and this place. This should be convincing that Our Lady had been here, that she did not call us in vain to peace, to love, to conversion. Where is the parchment now? Miriana responded, in my room. When I got all the ten secrets, I was always afraid that I might forget something. I was not sure about myself to remember all those dates. It gave me trouble all the time. So one day while I was having the vision, Mary simply gave me that. We call it foil, that parchment. It is neither a paper or a tissue or fabric, just like an old pigment parchment. So all ten secrets are nicely written on it, and so I keep that paper in the drawer with the rest of my papers. I showed it to a cousin of mine, and she just saw a letter. She did not see any secrets. She just saw it was a letter. And I showed it to, I think it was my aunt. I showed it to her, and she just saw certain poems. Nobody sees the same. Only me. Only I can see the secrets. So there is no danger. I don't have to hide it, to conceal it. I can keep it on the table because nobody is able to read it. The secrets. Memorable moment number 23. Our Lady gives her life story. January 7, 1983. Our Lady asked the visionaries to record the stories of her life as she dictated them. The information cannot be publicized until Our Lady gives authorization to do so. Yaakov received information until April 1983. Ivanka until May 22, 1983, and Maria until July 17, 1983. For Vitska, this transmission lasted until April 10, 1985, and filled three notebooks in which Our Lady entitled it simply, Life. Vitska said Our Lady showed it to them like moving pictures. Memorable moment number 22. Bombs dropped on Medjugorje did not detonate. As the Balkan War was raging, Medjugorje was miraculously untouched. There were many supernatural events that happened to show God's hand was protecting this tiny sacred village. One enemy fighter pilot was given orders to bomb Medjugorje. On three separate days, he set out early in the morning with clear skies, 
but each time he reached the vicinity of Mejigoria, a sudden cloud coverage formed over the village, making it impossible for him to fulfill his orders, as he could not see his target. He finally aborted the plan, coming to the conclusion that in this war they were fighting God. This experience led to his conversion. On other occasions, bombs were dropped but did not detonate. This photo shows a bomb which was dropped near St. James Church, which never exploded. Memorable moment number 21, Ivanka receives the tenth secret. Ivanka was the second visionary to receive the tenth secret and no longer have daily apparitions. On May 6, 1985, Yaakov, Ivan, Ivanka, and Maria came to the rectory without Vitska, who was ill all that day. Our Lady appeared to the four around 6 p.m. After two minutes, Yaakov, Ivan, and Maria came out of ecstasy, but noticing that Ivanka was still communicating with Our Lady, they remained kneeling for another six minutes until Ivanka's vision had ended. Our Lady had just then entrusted the tenth secret to the young woman and had completed the information she had been giving her about the future of the world. She had also told Ivanka not to come to the rectory on the following day, but to remain home and wait alone for her there. On May 7th, for at least an hour, Our Lady and two angels appeared to Ivanka at her home. More beautiful than ever, she asked Ivanka what she wished for and approved of her request to see her mother, who had died just before the apparitions began. Ivanka's mother soon appeared smiling. She embraced Ivanka and told her how proud she was of her and embraced her again before she disappeared. During this apparition, Our Lady said, My dear child, today is our last meeting. Do not be sad. I will return to see you at each anniversary of the first apparition, beginning next year. Dear child, do not think that you have done anything bad and that this would be the reason why I am not returning near to you. No, it is not that. With all your heart you have accepted the plans which my son and I formulated, and you have accomplished everything. No one in the world has had the grace which you, your brothers and sisters, have received. Be happy because I am your mother and I love you from the bottom of my heart. Ivanka, thank you for the response to the call of my son. Thank you for persevering and remaining always with him as long as he will ask you. Dear child, tell all your friends that my son and I are always with them when they call on us. What I have told you during these years on the secrets, do not speak to anyone about them. Go in the peace of God. Memorable moment number 20. Father Slavko is a saint. Father Slavko Barbarich was a very beloved Franciscan priest who devoted his life to Medjugorje and pilgrims. He had a doctorate in psychotherapy and was first sent to Medjugorje to examine the visionaries in 1983. Completely convinced that the six young people were telling the truth, he devoted his life to Medjugorje and never left. He is the author of numerous spiritual books on Our Lady's messages, a spiritual father to the visionaries, and was an extremely active priest. He led adoration, fasting retreats, the youth festival, and founded Mother's Village among many other things. On November 24, 2000, he led pilgrims on the way of the cross up Krizhevats, as he did every Friday. On his way, he felt chest pain and stopped near the resurrection plaque. 
He asked for Our Lady to pray for everyone at the hour of death. He blessed the people, sat down, and died after three final breaths. This sent a shockwave through the Medjugorje community. The day after he died on November 25, 2000, Our Lady gave a message. I rejoice with you and I desire to tell you that your brother Slavko has been born into heaven and intercedes for you. Memorable moment number 19, outside altar built. As more pilgrims flocked to Medjugorje, the once too large St. James Church became too small to accommodate everyone who wanted to attend the Mass. In 1989, the exterior altar and the surrounding prayer area with about 5,000 seats were built as a place of gathering for the evening prayer program and for big feasts when numerous thousands of pilgrims gather in Medjugorje. It is beautiful to see so many gathered in prayer and receiving the sacraments. Memorable moment number 18. JP2 declares Medjugorje spiritual center of the world. It is no secret that Pope John Paul II had a great interest and belief in Our Lady's apparitions in Medjugorje. He emphasized the importance of Medjugorje on February 24, 1990, when he declared, Medjugorje is the spiritual center of the world. Although he was never able to go to Medjugorje in person, his shoes now reside at Miriana's house a gift from a priest who knew his desire to set foot in Medjugorje. Memorable moment number 17. Our Lady references Fatima and reveals her plan through Medjugorje. On August 25, 1991, Our Lady gave a message which said, With your help, everything that I desire to realize through the secrets I began in Fatima may be fulfilled. It's the only time she ever mentioned another apparition in one of her messages. In this message, she confirmed what Pope John Paul II had said on March 25, 1984. Medjugorje is the continuation and fulfillment of Fatima. Memorable moment number 16, Sunlight in Midiana's Eye. August 2, 2009. When the visionaries go into ecstasy, they enter into a state separated from the world around them. They cannot see, hear, or feel themselves or the world around them when they are with Our Lady. As pilgrims gathered around Miriana for her August 2, 2009 apparition, the sun was shining very brightly on the crowds. An umbrella was held up to block the sun, but during the apparition the umbrella was moving and sun continuously hits Midiana's eye on and off with no reaction. This was a visible proof to many of the authenticity of the apparitions. In later years, Midiana suffered severe back problems which made it extremely painful to kneel. We can see from the footage that she physically suffers before Our Lady appears, but once the ecstasy begins, she is completely relieved of the pain. As soon as the apparition is over, her physical senses return and she doubles over in pain. Midiana, who prays for unbelievers, is a visible sign that the apparitions are real. Memorable moment number 15, Tears from the Risen Christ. Behind St. James Church, there is a 30-foot bronze statue of the Risen Christ. 
The sculpture was created by Slovenian artist Andrej Idić and is a replica of the statue presented to Pope John Paul II on the occasion of his papal visit to Slovenia in 1996. The statue in Međugorje was shipped in four pieces and installed by Andrej himself in 1998. In 2001, around June 25th, liquid resembling tears began to miraculously stream from the knee of the statue. In an interview about the miraculous occurrence, Andre said, I myself installed the cross and it is not possible for this to happen. The liquid miraculously flows to this day, and gallons of the liquid have been collected. Pilgrims will often wait in line to bless themselves with the miraculous liquid, and several miracles have been reported. Memorable moment number 14, the Youth Festival begins. The Medjugorje Youth Festival, or Mladi Fest, began in 1989. Every year tens of thousands of young people from all over the world flock to Medjugorje to worship together and participate in the sacraments. But how it all began was with a young man named Ernest Williams, who came to Medjugorje in the 1980s. He saw many other young people coming on pilgrimage and wanted to find a way to gather everyone together. He prayed and fasted for three days, and on the third day, the idea for a youth festival came to him. On August 15th, Ernest attended an apparition where Our Lady gave a message to start a year of young people. Ernest spoke to Father Slavko about this idea, and the first Mladi Fest was born the following year. Today, the Youth Festival draws over 50,000 young people and over 900 priests from more than 60 countries. It is the largest international gathering held annually in Europe. Memorable moment number 13, conversions. While the next memorable moment is not a single event, it would be impossible to look at these 40 years without mentioning the numerous conversions that have taken place in Medjugorje. In the Bible we read, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And the fruit from Medjugorje has been the numerous conversions that have taken place in people's hearts. Our Lady calls us to conversion in her messages, and Mary TV has documented hundreds of the countless numbers of people who have been touched by the Queen of Peace and radically changed their lives to follow the path of Jesus. Of all the moments we remember, the conversions taking place may be the most important. Memorable moment number 12, healings. Following our last memorable moment, healing of the heart, we also recognize the physical healings which have taken place over the years. Over 500 miraculous healings have been documented with the parish of St. James. Artie Boyle, who had metastatic renal cell carcinoma, Colleen Willard, who had an inoperable brain tumor and multiple health problems, wheelchair-bound and in constant severe pain, and Linda Christie, who had a crippling spine injury for 18 years, are just a few examples of the tremendous physical healings that have occurred for people visiting the site. These can be viewed along with the testimonies in Mary TV's program, Fruit of Medjugorje. Memorable moment number 11, 
Ivan and Maria are hosted by Cardinal Schoenborn. Cardinal Christoph Schoenborn has been a longtime supporter of Medjugorje and has openly given praise to the visionaries on numerous occasions. In September of 2010, Cardinal Schoenborn hosted Maria and Ivan for a prayer vigil for peace at St. Stephen's Cathedral in Vienna. He thanked them by saying, Thank you for your service across so many years, for your work, for your service of being messengers of the Gospa. You give us, you bring us children of this world, children of humanity, her love and her presence, and may God pay you back a hundredfold for what you are doing tirelessly. Memorable moment number 10, Yaakov's 10th secret. Yaakov was the third visionary to receive the 10th secret and no longer have daily apparitions. On Friday, September 11, 1998, during the regular apparition, Our Lady told Yaakov to prepare himself for the next day's apparition because she would confide the 10th secret to him and his daily apparitions would cease. On Saturday, September 12th, Our Lady came at 11.15 a.m. local time. When she came, she greeted Yaakov as always with, Praised be Jesus. While she was confiding the 10th secret, Yaakov said she was sad. Then with a gentle smile, she said, Dear child, I am your mother and I love you unconditionally. From today I will not be appearing to you every day, but only on Christmas, the birthday of my son. Do not be sad, because as a mother I will always be with you, and like every true mother, I will never leave you. Continue further to follow the way of my son, the way of peace and love, and try to persevere in the mission that I have confided to you. Be an example of that man who has known God and God's love. Let people always see in you an example of how God acts on people and how God acts through them. I bless you with my motherly blessing, and I thank you for having responded to my call. The apparition ended at 11.45 a.m. This moment was especially memorable because Yaakov was the only visionary to receive his final secret in America. The date he was told to prepare was also significant as it later became infamous when the U.S. was attacked at the World Trade Center on 9-11. Memorable moment number nine. Miriano stopped receiving second of the month apparitions. On March 18, 2020, Miriano was told she would no longer be having second of the month apparitions. Although Miriano's daily apparitions had stopped in 1982, Our Lady began appearing again to her on the second day of each month to pray for unbelievers or those who have not yet come to know the love of God. These apparitions lasted from August 2, 1987 until March of 2020. When the news broke, it sent shockwaves through the world as many believers would make pilgrimage to the Blue Cross at the foot of Apparition Hill to be present for these public apparitions. She gave many beautiful messages through these apparitions, even stating that, My son has promised me that evil will never win because you, the souls of the just, are here. While Miriana was hit the hardest by the news, it was a difficult moment for all of Our Lady's children around the world.
Memorable moment number eight. Baby Jesus appears to Maria at Christmas. On the 25th of each month, Our Lady appears to the visionary Maria to give her a message for the world. But the message of December 25, 2012 was different from all previous messages. Maria received a tremendous shock when the infant Jesus himself spoke to her. Maria told us, Our Lady came with the little Jesus in her arms, and she did not give a message. But little Jesus began to speak and said, I am your peace. Live my commandments. With a sign of the cross, Our Lady and little Jesus blessed us together. Afterwards, Maria cried a lot, but also felt a great gratitude. He spoke with great authority, and I am trying to understand what I saw, Maria said in a radio interview following the event. Jesus addressed me as the King of Peace. It was a child, but these words were spoken with authority, with a voice that remained strong within me. This was the first time Jesus ever spoke to Maria or gave a message to us publicly, a major event in the history of Medjugorje. Memorable moment number seven. Archbishop Hoser arrives. On February 11, 2017, Pope Francis appointed Archbishop Heinrich Hoser as a special envoy from the Holy See to St. James Parish in Medjugorje. Archbishop Hoser was initially sent to Medjugorje to acquire a deeper knowledge of the pastoral situation, but Pope Francis later extended his stay indefinitely. He has embraced Medjugorje and has been a true advocate of the apparitions, speaking positively about the fruits and all that he has encountered there. He recently said, Dear friends of Medjugorje, dear pilgrims and parishioners, I speak to you with a plea to continue living in the spirit of hope, for Medjugorje has an obligation to bring hope to people, God's hope, for he is the one who leads us all with great love and mercy, who sends us the mother of God so she would bring us all to him. She, in Medjugorje, has been pointing to Jesus all the time, and I ask you all to be those who would sow peace, trust, and God's vicinity in these moments. Memorable moment number six, Pope Francis allows clergy to organize pilgrimage. Just two years after Archbishop Hoser was sent to Medjugorje, on May 12, 2019, Pope Francis officially authorized pilgrimages to Medjugorje, considering, quote, the flow of people who go to Medjugorje and the abundant fruits of grace that have sprung from it. All present were in tears of joy as the good news was announced from the Medjugorje Church of St. James, the patron saint of pilgrims. Regarding the announcement, Archbishop Hoser told the media, quote, I will remind you of the content of that statement. There are no obstacles in organizing pilgrimages to Medjugorje, and all categories of the church officials, starting with the cardinals, archbishops, and bishops, priests from all over the world, all people are allowed to come to Medjugorje. Indeed, in that place, people find what they lost in their lives, and they encounter someone who waits for them there, God, our Lord Jesus, and the Mother of God. This was a great joy that expanded all over the world, for it brings the universal role of this shrine where people from all the continents come. We are happy about this, 
and this reflects the future of Medjugorje that needs to live in the rhythm of the heart of the Universal Church. Memorable moment number five. Our Lady calls each person in the world. The first monthly message to the world was given through Maria on January 25, 1987. Our Lady said, Today I want to call all of you to start living the new life from today onwards. Dear children, God has chosen each one of you in order to use you for the great plan for the salvation of mankind. You cannot comprehend how great your role is in God's plan. Therefore, dear children, pray so that through prayer you may comprehend God's plan through you. I am with you so that you can realize it completely. Memorable moment number four. A permanent sign will be left on the hill. Although we don't know the content of the Medjugorje secrets yet, the visionaries were allowed to give us an idea of what the third secret entails. The third secret will be a visible sign which will appear on Apparition Hill where Our Lady appeared for the first time. The sign will be permanent, indestructible, and beautiful. It will be something that has never been seen on earth before, and it will be clear that it was not made by human hands. This will be a stimulus for many conversions, as many will see the permanent sign and believe that Our Lady was truly appearing in Medjugorje. Memorable moment number three, Vatican joins Youth Festival. There have been many recent positive moves from the Vatican on Medjugorje in recent years. The next two memorable moments highlight a positive shift in the approval of Medjugorje. On August 6, 2019, Catholic News Service declared, Vatican confirms Medjugorje approval by joining Youth Festival. This headline was very important in the history of Medjugorje. The following year, Pope Francis addressed participants of the Medjugorje Youth Festival that took place from July 31st to August 6th, 2020. Memorable moment number two. Medjugorje acknowledged as shrine for Pope's rosary. After the coronavirus pandemic swept across the world, the Pope called for a month-long prayer of the rosary to end the pandemic. This just recently took place in May of 2021. The Pope designated Marian shrines across the world to lead the rosary each day, and Medjugorje was chosen for May 15th. In this way, Pope Francis has publicly endorsed Medjugorje as a Marian shrine. Memorable moment number one, Our Lady's final apparitions. On May 2nd, 1982, Our Lady said, I have come to call the world to conversion for the last time. Afterwards, I will not appear anymore on this earth. These words are enough to shake up any believer. Let us respond to her call while she is still here with us and thank God for this great grace to hear her call. Let us all respond with our whole hearts to God's plan for each one of us this 40th year and for the rest of our lives. Thank you, our sweet Blessed Mother, for never leaving our side.
well, thanks again for continuing to stay with us here and come and see Inspirations. Again, we thank Medi TV for allowing us to play that um, 40 memorable moments from Medjugorje. At this part of the programme, we always um, pray and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And today, uh, it's the 19th Sunday of Ordinary Time that we're taking, and we'll invite Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the psalm through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, we continue reading from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, is verse 41 to 51. The Jews were complaining to each other about Jesus, because he'd said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Surely this is Jesus, son of Joseph, they said. We know his father and mother. How can we know, How can he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus said in reply, Stop complaining to each other. No one can come to me unless he's drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God, and to hear the teaching of the Father and learn from it is to come to me. Not that any, anybody has seen the Father, except the one who comes from God. He has seen the Father, I tell you most solemnly. Everybody who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate mamma in the desert, and they did. And this is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that a man may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. This is the Gospel for today, the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, you might have a thought or two to share with us, please. <clears throat> yeah, so just a few, I suppose, brief thoughts on this Sunday's Gospel. Um, it's a continuation, of course, for the last two weeks. We're very much travelling through John and the Joannine Gospel, focusing on reflections and very much around the bread of life. Um, and it's a continuation of where we stopped off last week where Jesus was telling the Jews that he was the bread of life. Um, <clears throat> and it's, you know, they're, they're focusing, I suppose, on, on what, what, who he is as the individual as opposed to what it is that he's saying in some respects and getting the two conflated. Um, <clears throat> so, he's, you know, and Jesus is saying, you know, sometimes we need to kind of pause and, about that. And it's an interesting one because he says, no one can come to me unless he's drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise him up on the last day. And it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. When we talk about <clears throat> faith in the modern world, there is an element out there that, of, of people that would kind of say, well, you know, you can't prove the existence of God. And it's like, well, of course you can't prove the existence of God, not in the scientific model, because, you know, God is the creator. <laughs> he's outside the model. But in terms of our day-to-day belief and encounter with the divine, it's a reminder to us that it is a gift. You know, as Jesus said, it is a gift from the Father. 
no one can come to me unless he's drawn by the Father who sent me. <clears throat> and it's a reminder to us that, you know, we speak of faith as a gift, and it is a gift, which it is a gift, and that's something that we have to remind ourselves. <clears throat> but like anything else, it's something that needs to be nourished and cherished and, and supported. And I suppose the question or the thing for us to reflect on this Sunday in particular is what is it that we do to nourish that gift of faith? Um, it's also a challenging one, I suppose, because for many of us, I suppose, there are times where it seems like we're clinging on by our fingertips to it. And obviously, we know in the modern world, there are many people who just don't see it that way anymore. They don't, they don't, uh, they, they don't have an openness, maybe, or maybe there's something that has happened that has, you know, given them pause in terms of that whole acceptance of a loving God. Uh, often, let us be fair, you know, it's the, 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 the faults and the history of, an inst- of the institutional church in many respects, which has driven that division between them and the loving Father, who's always there willing and waiting for us to turn back to him. As we said often enough on the program, John, it's a you know, whole case of metanoia, that conversion, that turning back to God, and God is very near, waiting to embrace us, waiting to console us, waiting to comfort us, waiting to walk and walk with us in our life's journey. <clears throat> and it's interesting, you know, that nobody, not that, not that anybody has seen the Father except the one who comes from God. I tell you most sol- solemnly, everybody who, who believes has eternal life. So, you know, in some respects, as we go this, this through this discourse from John's Gospel, it's very much one of consolation and offering us hope for those that are believing or even when it's just that little small smidgen of belief that we're clinging onto and the promises that are made to us. <clears throat> and again, we have this echo, I am the bread of life. It's the great theme. I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. So very much, I suppose, from from a Christian, particularly from a Catholic Christian perspective, our understanding of what Jesus is saying to us this Sunday Gospel is, of course, very intimately tied up with the understanding from a faith perspective on the Eucharist and the the continuation of Jesus' presence in the world, uh, in the Blessed Sacrament, that bread from heaven, which is available to us to receive, to console with us, to, to give us food for the journey as we as we get through this veil of tears. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. So again, on the Joanne Gospels this week, we have those promises to us that those who are participating in the life of Christ, who those who consume his body and drink his blood, that promise is given to us of life eternal. <clears throat> and sometimes... You know, I, you know, it's not something that many of us think about probably from time to time unless something happens, like maybe there's a death in the family or someone that's close to us or there's a tragic accident. Or for some people, the last couple of months have been very much a time of pausing and reflecting. And thoughts like this, memento mori, those things that cause us to pause and reflect on the fact that ultimately there are only two certainties in life, debt and taxes. And, you know, the, as, 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 as Benjamin Franklin once said, and the fact that as Christians, we are called to be prepared because we do not know when that invitation to eternal life will come. 
you know, you know, during the week we had that that case in Cork that of that uh, missionary priest, that Kiltegan priest, Father Con Crimmon, who you know was hit by that bus and a tragic accident, both for him and his community and the parishioners he served in Cork after twenty odd years in in Africa, but also of course for the, the bus driver as well who died, uh, you know, and you know it, the tragedy of it. And it's a reminder to us, surely, that we do not know the hour, the place, or the time that we will be called to journey onwards. And as Christians as well, I suppose, one of the things that these, these Gospels cause us to reflect on is the reminder to us that our existence here is not the beginning and the end. And I suppose that's something I personally come across with many people my own age and younger. They take this very nihilistic approach that basically all we have is this life in the here and now and that there's nothing beyond death and the grave and it's all, you know, death is the end. And that, I suppose, is one of the things, of the, that's one of the huge contributions that Christianity has made that sometimes we overlook because we're so used to it, that that opportunity, that promise, that alternative view that there is something beyond death, that death is not the end, it is just a transition, that we are moving from one type of life to the other, like a retirement, John, you know, bring it back to something that you would be familiar with, you know, it's a time of transition and, and, and moving on, but obviously, of course, in a very different and very different means. So looking at this Sunday's Gospel, folks, bringing it all back, again, we have this invitation to encounter with Jesus and that beautiful image that's put forward towards us as I am the bread of life. And that whole idea of bread being very much source and comfort and sustenance for the journey in life. And very much, of course, that whole idea of bread fellowship and communion and community. And as we said more often than not on the program in previous times, you cannot be Christian and not be in community. You have to be in communion and community to be called yourself a Christian. You can't do it on your own. And that's one of the great challenges that's there for us. That's the reminder that's there for us each and every Sunday when we break bread around the altar together. But of course, it's also the reminder to us that it is the Eucharist is the ultimate sign of communion. And the challenge for us there is that sometimes to be able to take it, we have to admit to ourselves that maybe we're not as worthy as we think we are, or that there are impediments or little obstructions on the way. And we just need to think about that and reflect on it as well uh, uh, as, as, we, as we reflect on these Joanna and Gospels over these coming weeks. Um, I suppose the, the the part of the gospel that, got, that caught my attention this morning was they will they will all be taught by God, and to hear the teaching of the Father and learn from it is to come to me. And for me, that's either listening to the Word of God or obviously the Eucharist that Shane shared with us then. Uh, just briefly, I, I had something that I picked up as I was reflecting there this morning from my friend John uh, Michael Duvertai. And one of it, part of his reflection is, Lord, we've known Jesus all our lives. And for a long time, he was somebody far away who taught abstract truths. Then one day, we experienced conversion. And it was as if we understood life for the first time. We understood then what was written in the prophets. 
they will all be taught by God. Teachings that seemed abstract, we now heard addressed personally to us, and we really learned from them. That is what it means to come to Jesus. We know that no one has seen you, but we have met the one who came from you and has seen you. So that's the, 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 the thought that stayed with me this morning there. And I, I, again, I like the idea of Jesus teaching us all the time, whether that be through people or through community, or through liturgy, or whatever it might be, just be open to whatever the Lord puts in front of us. So thanks again for joining us today. Uh, we'll go out with our final piece of music. And this one is entitled um, Because He Lives, and this is by Matt Maher. So next week, for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. I'm going to try and do it all again next week. In the meantime, enjoy the week. God bless now. Bye. Cause he lives.